There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And the driving jam time. And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Connect pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Good to be with you on a Monday. We have, uh, well, we have stuff to talk about. We don't have any real Major League Baseball stuff to talk about. We do have uh, some minor league stuff going on down in Jupiter. The Cardinals have some of their top prospects in there a little bit later in the week. We'll probably hear from a few of them. I know our good friend Mike Claiborne has caught up with uh, Nolan Gorman and Jordan Walker. They're some of the uh, guys that are down there working right now. And the, the key thing to remember, like right now in any, whether, regardless of whose camp it is camps all over Florida and Arizona do have minor leaguers working out right now, but it's just the players that are not on the 40 man roster. So if they're not on the 40 man, they're free to be down there and work. The minor league season will start as scheduled. No big shock, no problems there. Uh, and of course, Hopefully we won't be dealing with this lockout for too much longer. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't get any better in the last couple of days. I don't think it got any worse either. We know that they're still talking. Uh, they're both saying of the other side that they're not making enough movement in the deal. And I know I've laid out a lot of how I see this uh, in the last couple of weeks and why I still don't understand I still don't understand how a group of 30 men, 26 of whom are billionaires, have basically held all of this up because they don't want to allow their fellow owners to maybe spend an extra 10 or $15 million on their payroll compared to where it is now without suffering a penalty for it, Right. I mean, it, the, 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 I, you know what? I've decided to, I'm not going to call it the competitive balance tax anymore. First of all, it's a mouthful and it's weird to say. Second of all, it's BS. That's not what it is. It's a soft cap. So that's what I'm going to call it. I'm going to refer to the luxury tax as the soft cap because that's exactly what it is. And that's exactly how it acts. But what I don't, I, what I don't understand is this idea that allowing some owners, not requiring anybody, by the way, none of this would lead to any team being required to spend one penny more. They would simply be allowed to. Right? Nobody would require the Dodgers, Yankees, none of the big market teams would be required to add that money. Nobody at the lower end would be required to add that money and they keep talking about competitive balance. Well, you know, Pittsburgh's got to do their part to even try. Because this is the problem is we got too many teams that don't even try. It'd be one thing if you had all these teams out there trying real hard and just not getting it done. They're not trying. So if there's a competitive disadvantage, the disadvantage would be in the whole not trying part, right? But it's just, it's, it's really, really weird to me. And I know, you know, the problem here, and I'm going to get into this in a couple of minutes, because to me, this is an internal owners versus owners issue. It shouldn't be an owners versus player issue when it comes to this. 
See, I've heard this put a couple of ways. Like number one, they say that if 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 the if the soft cap goes up from two ten to say two thirty or two thirty five, then it 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 creates an unfair, an even more unfair advantage for the big market teams. And that's a competitive balance problem. Well, first of all, Major League Baseball has not really had a competitive balance problem except for the teams that just don't try. They make no effort. They're like, well, we can't be the Yankees, so we might as well suck. <laughs> and you know what? Tampa Bay didn't buy into that nonsense. Tampa Bay's in the American League East with the Yankees who are the biggest of the big dogs. Yankees and Dodgers are the two biggest dogs in this neighborhood. And then the Red Sox, they're one of the top dogs too. And oh, by the way, the Blue Jays. You know, the Blue Jays are a monster. Toronto is a monstrous city. It is a big market team. And the Blue Jays are a big market performer slash earner. I mean, they, they, they have the whole country at this point. And then, of course, you got Baltimore. Meh. But Tampa's got three big dogs in their division, and it hadn't stopped them a minute. So I don't want to hear about the, oh, it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. And maybe it is harder when you have less to work with. But you know what? What's really hard is winning anything when you're not trying to. That's eh, probably not hard. That's uh, uh, impossible. But anyway, I- I'm still baffled at that. I'm still baffled that allowing a handful of teams to spend another 10 or $15 million each without being totally hammered for it with penalties is really weird to me because most teams can't even come close to that with their normal budget. Nobody's budget would have to change, by the way. It's not like, you know, all of a sudden <laughs> the Cardinals would have to add 15 million to their payroll. They, they don't have to. They don't, they're nowhere near the, 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 the soft cap. It doesn't do anything to them. It's a non-factor really. These teams have their budget. That's what they're going to stick to. And there are a few teams at the very top that could have much bigger budgets. But let's be honest. I pointed out what the luxury tax penalties were last week. And the fact that $30 million in luxury tax slash soft cap penalties would deter a team that gets seven or $800 million a year in revenue from doing what they want is just nonsense. You're telling me the Yankees can't afford an extra $30 million in in penalties to spend what they want to try to win? Of course they can. It's a drop in the bucket for them. But anyway, that's where we are. So there are a few things I want to do today as we continue on through the lockout. Uh, number one, I want to expand on this owners versus owners thing because it's it's interesting to me how so many of these super successful businessmen like to tailor what they believe towards what benefits them in one area, but in not another area. So we're going to talk about free markets and we're going to talk about capitalism and we're going to talk about how these guys that are billionaires love free markets Unless they've got a bigger dog on the block that wants to outspend them. In that case, they want regulation. In that case, they want the group safety net. Talk about that. Um, And that basically comes down to the fear that they all have of Steve Cohen, who can spend whatever he wants because he's worth, what, $12 billion or whatever the hell he's worth. 
Um, we're going to get into another thing that's been interesting. More more people around Major League Baseball are starting to talk. Uh, the, the Yankees president, they're sorry, their CEO, Randy Levine, did an interview today. We're starting to hear more of that. So we'll get to that coming up when we come back on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, so uh, more lockout conversation i'm sure you're excited about that uh and actually what i'm going to do tonight i believe it or not if if you are of the bent uh that believes owners are in the right in all of this well i got some criticisms of the players union coming up so you can stay tuned for that Uh, because i got one thing that i think they're missing when it comes to their thoughts on competitive balance and uh one of the things that they don't want they don't want the 14 team playoff because they're worried that teams uh, we'll spend less because they don't have the urgency to win as many games. But my question is, well, but what about the teams that are just behind those teams? What about those teams that are like 75 win teams that are like, mm, yeah, we can't get to 90, so we might as well go down to 60. Well, if 83 or 84 can do it, maybe they can pick up those numbers. We'll talk about that in the next segment. Um, I wanted to get to this piece from Ken Rosenthal today, and it was an interesting one talking about how the soft cap was supposed to work. In case you missed it last segment, I am no longer referring to this as the luxury tax nor the competitive balance tax. I'm going to call it what it is. It's a soft cap. That's how it acts. That's what it's doing. And that's okay, by the way. Just call it what it is. Because it's a soft cap. It's, it's, a, it's a number that limits spending. Hence, soft cap. It doesn't completely restrict them. That's why I use the word soft. But it definitely holds people back. Anyway, um, Ken Rosenthal's got a piece on The Athletic today that he, where he talked to uh, Rob Manfred. He talked to Gene Orza, formerly a member of the MLBPA's negotiation team. And these are two of the guys that helped create this, this soft cap in, in 2011. Uh, actually, it was before that. But it went back and forth about what the point of it was and what it was supposed to do and whether it was supposed to grow as revenue grew and all that. It was, it's an interesting read. You should read it if you're a subscriber to The Athletic. But there was one part in there that really bothered me. And it bothers me on a philosophical level and a practical level. But there's a, there's a line in there from Gene Orza that says, look, I'm sure clubs are afraid of Steve Cohen. He's the new Mets owner. He's worth $12 billion. He is the richest owner in Major League Baseball. In other words, they're afraid of him because they know he can out they know he can outspend them if he wants to. And he said, here's what Ordor's quote was in the story from with Ken from Ken Rosenthal. He said, I'm sure clubs are afraid of Steve Cohen. If we lose some of the restraints on salary, the Mets will spend three hundred million or something like that. And you always have that small market, big market battle. And he's talking about Manford when he says he has to be sensitive to that. But see, this is the thing that that just absolutely destroys me. It frustrates me, again, as, at a philosophical and a, and a practical level. This idea that a group of billionaires are afraid that a bigger billionaire will push them around. Well, welcome to the real freaking world, guys. Welcome to the world where people with more money than you kick you in your ass every single day. 
This is what irritates me. Welcome to what the rest of us experience, fellas. You know, these guys that own teams in all sports and the people that are in that billionaire class, they love it when it's their boot doing the kicking of someone else's ass. But the minute that the boot is bigger than their boot, ooh, well, now we want regulation. Now we want restraint. Now we want a group safety net for all of us that might not be able to keep up with that bigger guy with the bigger boots. Are you kidding me? So basically what we have here is a group of billionaires that own major league teams. Cause again, 26 of, of 30 owners are billionaires or multi-billion dollar corporations like uh, Liberty media that owns the Braves, like Rogers uh, media that owns the blue Jays. So what we have now are billionaires that don't have as many billions as Cohen does. Finally starting to see, Oh, huh? That's what it like. It's like when someone can beat the crap out of you with their wallet because their bank account is bigger than yours. Again, welcome to all of our lives. All of us in the non-billionaire class. There's a group of people that gets to write laws and pay lobbyists to further their interest. And then the minute that somebody's bigger than them, they're like, oh, whoa, whoa. We don't want to actually have to fight. We don't want to actually have to be in the battle. Now we got to hold that guy back. If he wants to be in our club, he can't just be all Mr. Free Market. I'll spend what I want. If he wants to be in our club, he can't push us around. Doesn't that irritate you? The minute that there's a bigger guy in the room with a bigger bank account, well, it goes from being, hey, free markets and capitalism to, oh, wait a minute, we got to regulate that and we need a safety net for all of us little billionaires who can't keep up with the big billionaire. What are we doing? Can you at least be consistent? Is that too much to ask? Can you have the same set of standards in real life that you have in Major League Baseball? See, you can't, though. That's the problem. All they're, all they're doing is simply saying, what's good for me, and that's what I want to do. But no consistency at all. Hey, look, man, if you're into the free markets, capitalism, hey, the market will, will correct itself, then be about that. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. One of my favorite phrases from my friend Chris Duncan uh, when we worked together, uh, he'd always say that. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Don't talk to me about all that. Be about it. Don't back down because somebody's got a little more than you or a lot more than you. Compete. Free market, right? Woo-woo. But you can't do that in sports and be like, well, you know, we, we've got to have, a, a, we have to have, you know, our own version of entitlements and we have to have our own safety net and we got to regulate these big spenders. We can't let the Yankees and the Dodgers and Steve Cohen of the Mets, we can't let them take advantage of the free market because then that means we can't do it. Like, come on, man. 
if you know, if you if you've known me at all, like away from work, or if you've known me on the air for all the time I've been on the air, you know there's probably one thing that pisses me off more than anything in, at all, and it's hypocrisy. It's when you contradict yourself. It's when it's the rules are for thee, not for me. So what I would like to know is what the what 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 where do these guys come from philosophically? Because pretty clearly. You're all good with capitalism and the free market and everybody, you know, earning their fair share in the real world. But then in baseball, all of a sudden, we're like, mm, no, we can't have any of that. No, that guy that's got more money than us, he can't do that. We can't let him run his team the way that he wants to. We got to restrict him. We got to prop up the teams that don't do as well. What do we call that when we prop up people? When they don't have enough money to get by, something that rich guys don't really like very much. Oh, yeah, they don't like that welfare. But this is just rich dude welfare is what this is. That's what the revenue sharing is. And by the way, I'm okay with that. Look, it's a sport. You want to compete? I understand that Pittsburgh is not equal to L.A. I understand that Cincinnati is not equal to New York. I'm good with that. But what I'm asking is the guys that are the stewards of the game, the owners of the game, to be consistent. Don't live your life one way outside of the sport and then come into the sport and say, no, 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 we need different rules there because then that'll be better for me. It's just, in, it, it, it is pretty annoying. Not going to lie. Because as soon as somebody like Steve Cohen comes in, it's like, oh, no, no, we can't have any of that. He's too rich. Like, really? Because that's how you push other people around on a day-to-day basis. You use your your wealth to gain influence. You use that influence to further push the chips towards your side of the table. That's what you, that's what that's what the game is. So if that's the game, then play the game. <laughs> Sorry, that irritates me. That inconsistency irritates me. Like I said, I'm, I'm all for revenue sharing. In fact, the reality here, guys, is a simple one. The solution to the problems when it comes to the payroll disparities between the big market teams and the lower revenue teams, that's an issue that should be solved by owners. Owners working with other owners. There should be more revenue sharing. The big boys should be giving more to the teams that just can't generate it based on geography because that's all it is. It's geography. But they can't get get together to agree to that. So they try to pass that along to the players. Like it's their responsibility to rein in Steve Cohen or to prop up Bob Nutting and the Pirates or Bob Castellini and the Reds. No, no, that, that's, that's the Steinbrenner's problem. That's the Dodgers' problem. That's the Red Sox' problem. Those bigger market teams, that's their issue. Don't pass that along to the Players Association. And finally, on this note, and then next segment, I'm going to have I'm going to be critical of the players because I think there are a couple things that they're missing um, in in their perception of of how things are going to work. Like their their worries about competitive balance and their worries about teams trying, I think, might be a little off. No, not might be. I think they are a little off. We'll get to that in a second. But just one more thing, because we get all these arguments about. Well, it's I don't, you know it's the millionaires versus the billionaires, and you know I don't care. It's blah blah. blah. You know you got to know two things. 
if that's your perspective. One, most players are not billion are not millionaires. They're not. That's a fact. Eduardo Perez tweeted this out earlier. He's with uh, ESPN and MLB Network Radio. A study in 2019 determined that 40% of players earn less than $1 million in their entire careers. And the median earnings in that group was $357,000 before being taxed in every state in which the team plays. Because you get that, right? Like, they don't just get taxed in the state that they play in. Like, the Cardinals players don't just get taxed in Missouri and in St. Louis. They get taxed when they play in Chicago and when they play in Pittsburgh and when they play in Cincinnati, they're doing they get they get all of that taken out. So most baseball players though are not millionaires. The the, the average career length is 3 or 4 years. Guys, you don't get to free agency in 4 years. You get to free agency in 6 years. Which means these guys most players, the average player never even gets to the point where they could make some real money. And a lot of those years are just partial years, right? Like, they don't get paid the $560,000 a year when they only play half the year in the big leagues and then they play the other half in the minor leagues. So it's not really millionaires and billionaires. The problem is that the top guys make so much, it makes it seem like the players are all millionaires because you hear about the big contracts, $300 million and four hundred. Those guys are a small minority. In fact, assuming that all baseball players are millionaires because we know of all those huge, huge contracts would be like assuming that no Americans live in poverty because we have so many billionaires. How could a country have this many billionaires and have people in poverty? Well, duh. <laughs> we know that that's the case, and it's the case in baseball too. But you have to also understand the difference between a million and a billion. Right? So a million versus a billion. And this has been going around on Twitter here recently. I think a lot of it because of these arguments. But a million seconds is 12 days, right? So use that as your frame of reference. A million seconds is 12 days. A billion seconds is 31 years. A week and a half compared to 31 years. That's the difference between a million and a billion. Just want to throw that out there. All right, let's, uh, let's pick on the players a little bit. There are a couple things I think that they're misreading and a couple of areas where I think that they are in the wrong, in particular when it comes to the 14-team playoff and with their idea of competitive balance. I think both these sides are really... um, I don't think the owners are actually missing the point on competitive balance. I think they're intentionally spinning it in a way that works for them. But I think the players are missing something here, and I'll explain that next on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, so let's talk a bit about where I think the players are wrong or missing something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much the players themselves are are into this, but the players' union's position on expanded playoffs is that what as they're worried that it will lead some teams to not try as hard, right? To not try as hard 
from the beginning because they might not have to spend as much money to make the playoffs as they do if they're trying to win, say, 90, 92, 94, 95, 95 games. And first of all, I don't think that's the only thing that goes into spending. You know, like teams also want to make their team fun and exciting. So the teams that care, like the Cardinals, for example, the Cardinals aren't going to be like, well, you know, we'll be a lesser team and go for 82 wins instead of going for 90, which has kind of been their 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 range, right? It's kind of the range that they kind of seek. 90 typically gets you in, or at least if you're shooting for 90 and you're better, well, now we got 94, 95, boom, we're in. Or if it's a little less than that, like, eh, all right, but maybe we can make a deal in season to be better than that. And what the players are worried about is that some of these teams will be will be less likely to spend because the threshold for getting in will be a little bit lower, right? I mean, a higher percentage of teams are going to get in. That's their worry about a 14-team playoff. And I think what they're missing is the teams that that fall outside of that range now. So give, I'll give you the examples from last year. The Tigers, the Royals, the Twins, the Indians, the Angels. I was going to say the Mets, but they're a terrible example because their owner's spending a boatload of money either way. The Cubs from last year. The Rockies. These are all teams that, that won somewhere in the 70 to 78 win range. With the exception of the Indians, they were at 80. Do you think the Indians, if they had to try to spend to get to 90 wins, would do that? Or do you think they'd rather just go backward? Do you think the Royals and the Tigers look at their teams and say, you know what? We can go out and spend, spend, spend and get to 90 from 73, 74, 75 wins. Don't you think more of those teams would look at it like, hmm, wow, I might only have to add eight wins to my season total to make the playoffs. I can make that push. That push isn't ridiculously expensive. We have to remember that most of the big market teams are going to continue to spend as they have, right? I mean, the ones that have been at or around the soft cap are going to stay there. The ones that have been just under that are probably going to stay in that range. Now, if you're looking at a team like, say, Oakland, right? 86 wins. Yeah, they might not spend that little extra to get over the hump because they're cheap asses. And because they're at 86, right? So it doesn't take too much to say, oh, we could win a couple more. And even if we don't, we can be there and still have a chance. Maybe the Phillies look at it that way at 82, like, ah, we don't have to spend very much. But those teams that are next, those teams that that are winning games in the 70s, or by the way, even the teams that are, you know, trying to come out of rebuilds and they're in the 60s, you know, like the Nationals or the Marlins or those types of teams, they could look at it and say, well, if I only got to get to 84 to have a decent chance, I can manage that. But I don't think I can get to 90 without jeopardizing myself financially. I think that's something that the the players association is missing. They're worried too much about the teams that are already kind of in the mix. And to me, those are the teams that have higher payrolls in general, or just the aptitude to put a good team on the field, like say Tampa Bay. They don't have the biggest payroll, but they're pretty good. Let's not forget that we, what we don't want And by the way, what the 14-team playoff can help incentivize 
We don't want the teams that are in the 70s, you know, that set again, 72 to, to 80 win range. We don't want them to look at it and say, well, you know what? It would just be more profitable for us to cut payroll and drop down into the 60s. Because that's really the choice right now. It's either spend a buttload to try to get to 90, which is hard, or eh, we'll just let some guys go. And if we drop into the 68, 69 win range, who cares? We get a better draft pick and we get to pocket all that money that we don't spend. We want to incentivize those teams. They are the problem. The teams that tend to gravitate toward the bottom payroll-wise are the problem here. They're the issue. So if we want to incentivize competition, we want them to look at an attainable target. Right? If you're a team that's in that in those in those ranges, even even the bad teams, Rangers, Orioles, I mean I'm talking about the teams in the in the low 60s and even in the 50 win range. Do you think it's more feasible for them to look at it and say, well, if we just get to 84, hmm, we got a chance versus yeah, we got to get to 90, 92. If you're in the National League West and you're the Rockies, why would you even try right now? Can you hang with the Giants and the Dodgers and the Padres? No, because you can't get to 100 wins from 74, but you could get to 84. If there's extra playoff spots, 84, probably enough. Right? Last year, 83 wins would have got you in the play. Actually, 82 would have got you into the National League last year. You think the Rockies could get from 74 to 82 with some movement? Yes. And I think that's a part that the Players Association is really missing out on. I don't think the higher, first of all, the higher end teams need no motivation, no incentivizing, nothing. They they are in markets that demand results. They have the resources. They're going to try. The teams that tend to spend in the middle, the teams like the Cardinals, the teams, uh, maybe I think I'll throw Milwaukee into that range, you know, Seattle, those middle teams. I don't think they need too much incentive. It's the teams below that that need more incentive to try to the point where reaching the playoffs actually seems attainable as opposed to impossible. Because so long as it's impossible, they just won't try because they make more money by keeping payroll low and not trying. So hopefully the Players Association will eventually see the light on that. All right, hang tight. We got one more quick thing I want to get to. I want to get to a little bit of the Blues. Um, Not a good stretch out east. Let's talk about whether or not it matters that they just lost three games in a row and looked the way that they did. Get to that next on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, just a couple of minutes. I just want to spend a few on the blues. And I, I, I hate to do this, but it's just we're, we're kind of, I don't know if I'd call it the dog days, but we're kind of in that in-between time in the NHL and NBA season really too. But, I mean, our focus will be on the NHL side. Uh, and, you know, the blues are, are in a bit of a rough patch right now. They played th- the last three games. Not, not great. <laughs> not great these last few. Uh, they went out to the East Coast. 
And I know they, you know, part of the road trip was uh, was uh, kicking it off uh, with the win in Chicago, and that's good. You know, one for nothing there. Beat it's always fun to beat the Blackhawks. And before this three game losing streak, the Blues had won, you know, six of the last seven, and you know, kind of again had some nice wins in there. The win over Toronto was a nice win, for example, that, that kind of thing. Did not look good against the Rangers, Islanders, or Devils, um, and. While I do think there's stuff that needs to be better, their overall play just needs to be better. Perhaps a, a, a greater sense of urgency will help. But I, I know you're, you know, I don't think that the players are in the same mindset that I'm at, which is kind of like, okay, you know, like I said, dog days, you got, you know, 27 more games left to play. And, you know, it's not really close to playoff time yet. It's, or it's just as simple as this. And that's how I'm looking at it. That's certainly not how they are. I'm sure that they see it as we need to win games. But from our standpoint, sitting back and looking at it as observers and not participants, they're still in a spot where they where they need to be. You're not catching Colorado. We talked about that last week. You're not catching them. You are in control of your own destiny in the Central. You're in second place now. You're four points ahead of the two teams that are right behind you. And it doesn't take a whole lot to get on a little bit of a run and extend extend that a bit. What really matters, even more than staying in second place, I mean, second place would be nice. You get home ice in that first round. But what matters most for this particular team this particular year is how are you playing when the playoffs start? Are you healthy? Did you sort out your group, your, your goaltending situation? And did, were you able to add anything at the trade deadline to help on the blue line? I mean, I, to me, those are the three things that are the biggest points to pay attention to. And I'm not, I'm not even saying that the addition on the blue line has to happen. I just think it would be ideal. It's not easy, though. I mean, you're, you're right up against the cap. You know, you, you're going to have to trade away some salary unless you get the other team to eat a bunch. To, to hold a bunch of salary. And yeah, there's way there are ways to work around it. But it's it's not going to be cheap to do it either. If you're going to get a quality player that can play in your top four defensively, it's not going to be an easy pull. But I'm going to stay with where I've been, which is not going to worry about it at this point. I think they have the all, all of the depth up front. I know they're still trying to figure out Maybe how to get back to an identity that works for them. Find a little bit more energy. Find a little bit more physicality from the fourth line. All those things can be done, though, between now and the time that the season wraps up. I think the biggest one is being healthy. The second biggest one is figuring out the goaltenders or getting either having Villejuso just tear it away from Jordan Bennington over the next month and a half or Bennington take it back. Regardless, it's got to get sorted between now and the playoffs. And then the third thing again would be adding the defenseman. If it's possible, if you can make the right deal for the right guy. Ideally, it would be somebody you could plug in with Colton Pareko on the top pair. Perfect world. And actually, I mean, if it's a top four guy, you can do that. Right, I mean, you're, 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 the, the, the pairing with Falk and Krug is, is pretty solid. So, 
even though I didn't like the results on the East Coast, even though I think there's stuff that they need to be better at, and all we need to do is listen to what Craig Berube say, and he'll let us know, because he's not happy with it either. But I don't think they're that far away, and I don't think we're in any point now where we need to be too worried. I think they're going to be all right. All right, we got uh, fun coming your way tomorrow, baby. Got my guy Chris Ranji hanging out for two hours. Amy Marks Coors is going to hang out for a couple of hours. We'll catch you tomorrow night with the three of us kicking back and having some fun here on KMOX.